Welcome to Christian Natural Health with naturopathic Dr. Lauren DeVille. Christian Natural Health is the podcast on how to get and stay healthy God's way. You'll hear topics on nutrition, exercise, sleep, avoiding toxicity, meditating on scripture, what supplements to take, stress management, defeating anxiety and worry, how to reconcile Eastern medicine approaches with Christianity and a whole lot more. Now, here's your host, Dr. Lauren. Welcome back to another episode of Christian Natural Health. Today, I am excited to have Teresa Shields Parker with us. Teresa has lost more than 250 pounds, and more importantly, she's keeping it off. Sweet Surrender Breaking Strongholds is her sixth and most powerful book. She leads Overcomers Academy, a Christian weight loss group that has numerous courses available to members. She also loves doing one-on-one freedom coaching. With more than 40 years of experience as a journalist and publisher, Teresa lives in Columbia, Missouri with her husband, Roy, where they are active in their local church. They have two grown children and have also been foster parents to 10 behaviorally and developmentally challenged young adults. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me, Dr. Lauren. For sure. So how has your faith been important to your extreme weight loss and healthier lifestyle? Well, my journey is long and involved, but I could not have lost the weight I've lost without surrendering it, surrendering all my issues to God, because I tried for years to lose weight, um, going on diets, doing all that kind of stuff, you know, um, and it just didn't work. It would work for me to lose like 100 pounds, and but then once I got to the goal weight, I always knew that I was going to reward myself with something else, you know. And so the time that it really, everything really came together for me was when I realized I was a sugar addict. And then I realized I, I, can't, I can't give up sugar. That was always my issue. I can't give up sugar. And yet... Because understanding that I'm like an alcoholic only with processed sugar mm-hmm. helped me to see alcoholics get free from their issue by giving up alcohol. Right. So if I'm a sugar addict, I am going to have to give up sugar. Now, back in 1977, mm-hmm. God had told me, because I was in a prayer time, I was reading Matthew 17, 20, that says, if you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, you can tell this mountain move, and it'll move from here to there. Nothing will be impossible. Mm-hmm. And I stopped during that session, and I, I like to journal my prayers. So I, I journaled, and I just said, God, I have a mountain of weight on my body. Now, at that time, I was approaching 250 pounds. You know, mm-hmm. I broke the, the 200 flat plateau and uh, was going towards 250 and that overwhelmed me at the time mm-hmm. and I'm like you know how can I how can I do this how can I lose this weight how can I get it off and he gave me a very simple plan he said and I wrote it in my journal it's really one of the first times that I ever feel like I heard directly from God to tell me something that I had never thought of before. Mm -hmm. And he said, stop eating sugar, 
eat more meats, fruits, and vegetables, and stop eating so much bread. And my, I wrote my answer to him, which was, great plan, God. I could lose weight if I did that, but I can't do that. So then it took me 30 more years before I actually came to this realization that the reason he gave me that plan is because I have this addictive nature with sugar. And so that's when I realized, you know, I can't do it on my own. I've tried to do it on my own. As a matter of fact, for those 30 years, I would try to find a diet that included some of those elements that God had told me. And the problem was I never, I didn't hear the word stop good enough. It's like, I never, I never, I never thought that I would stop eating sugar for the rest of my life. That seemed impossible to me because everything I ate had sugar in it. It was a mainstay in my diet. It was the way we cooked when I was growing up, you know? You put sugar in everything. You put it in your, like in your spaghetti sauce. It just makes everything taste better. Just a little bit of sugar, but it's in everything. And I knew that, and I didn't think that there was any way I could give it up. Yeah. So how did you actually get to that place? You're talking about surrendering it and giving it to the Lord. I know that's sometimes a nebulous topic for people. How can you describe what that was like? Yeah, you know, every every person is different for every person, I think. But for me, it was I feel like it was really orchestrated by God. Mm-hmm. I was in a meeting of um with a man that um I had been different of different workshops that he had led freedom seminars and things like that. He's a very um, knowledgeable counselor kind of person, but he's also uh, at that point about a 20 year sober alcoholic. Mm -hmm. And so he was doing this, um, he was doing this meeting for those with harmful life patterns and like people that had um, uh, pornography issues and alcohol issues and drug issues and food issues and any kind of gambling issues, any kind of issues. So he gathered all of these people together and to like see what kind of group he could come up with and he shared his story. Now I knew that he was had been a long time sober alcoholic, but I'd never really heard his story. And I actually went to the meeting not thinking I have a problem. Of course, I don't have a problem, right? Even though I weighed like, you know, by that time, 430 pounds. I don't know if I weighed that much then, but I was really close. And I'm, uh, so, I was halfway listening to his story because alcohol has never been my problem. And in the middle of his story about why he lost weight, I mean, lost not lost weight, but why he gave up alcohol and, and um, you know, how that had influenced, how that had set the course for his life, mm-hmm. um, he said, alcohol is one molecule away from sugar. Alcohol is liquid sugar. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
and Lauren, that was it. That was like my come to Jesus moment. I mean, I was saved when I was seven, but this was bigger than salvation. This was pointing directly at my sin, and I had never seen it. I had never seen overeating as a sin, or even eating sugar as a sin. But you go back to 1977 when God told me that, and if he gives you, you know, it's not just a suggestion when God tells you to stop something. It's pointing out sin in your life, and that was it. And I remember asking him afterwards, can you be addicted to sugar? Because to tell you the truth, it was around 2009 that this happened, and I hadn't heard a lot about sugar addiction. It wasn't in the news like it is now everywhere, and the internet was just becoming a thing, you know, so it wasn't broadcast all over the internet like it is now. And so I didn't know, could you be addicted to sugar? But the one thing I did know, even if he said no, if I was the only one in the world who was addicted to sugar, then I was the first sugar addict ever, you know? I mean, it just made sense to me that if you put the word sugar addict in a dictionary, my picture would be there. You know, so he said, I don't know about all of the inner workings of the addictive nature of sugar. He said, but you can be addicted to anything that controls you. And that was it, you know? Sugar controlled me. I knew it did. It told me what to eat, when to eat, how much to eat. You know, it ruled my life. And I finally saw it for what it was, that it was not this sweet, innocent thing that was comforting me and helping me get through my day or helping me manage my emotions, which is kind of what I thought it was doing. It was really sending me on a course towards my demise. It was killing me. It wasn't my friend. When you weigh 430 pounds, you know, I had a lot of comorbidities in addition to my weight, high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, diabetes, a lot of joint issues, all of those kinds of things. And it was just hard to live, period. Yeah, that's amazing. So the verse that pops into my mind is to whom you yield yourself servants to obey, that his servants he are. So it sounds like that was what your stronghold was. So tell us a little bit more about the concept of a stronghold. Just from a spiritual standpoint, how did you arrive at your understanding of what a stronghold is and what you put into this book? That's interesting, too, because I have been asked to write a book called Breaking the Stronghold of Sugar. And in my mind, it was like, is sugar a stronghold? It really didn't feel like a substance could be a stronghold in the way the Bible describes it. So like 2 Corinthians 10, 3 through 5, 
in the NIV tells us, for, we, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So you see, we're demolishing strongholds, but then it describes we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. So a stronghold is not a substance. A stronghold is some mindset. And it is like it's an argument that we have against God, you know, like, well, God, you say you're good, but you're not really good in my life. Or, you know, we say we believe that God can do anything, but he can't deliver me from sugar. You know, those kind of things are actually the beginning of lies that we believe that morph into strongholds the more we feed them. And then a pretension, I like to think of pretension in a way that my grandma used to say about certain people that we meet in town. She said to me, she thinks more highly of herself than she ought. That's pretension. That's being pretentious. And that's what we do when we question God. We are setting ourselves up against the knowledge of who God is. We're questioning him. You know, I don't know, God, why did you not intervene in my life when my child died? Or, you know, anything like that, that seems like God should have taken care of it. It starts, it, it begins something in us that starts a lie that we begin to believe. So how do we get rid of the stronghold? It tells us right there. We take every, we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So we question our thoughts. We we weigh them against what the scriptures say. But it's hard because these lies that we believe have been built in us. They've been building in us since we were kids, right? And um, they're just things that, that we see or that we experience as we're growing up that develop these strongholds in us. We don't even realize it's a lie because... We will tell you the truth based on scripture, but we're not living it in our life. Sure. Oh, absolutely. And so is it the process? It almost sounds like, you know, you had this moment of recognition that this is a sin issue so that you could bring it to the Lord. And then he began to reveal to you the various lies that you believed throughout the years so that you could cast those down. Was that kind of how that worked? Yep. And each chapter in uh, my book, uh, Sweet Surrender, Breaking the Strongholds, each chapter is another stronghold that, that I saw in my life and how I worked through that, where that stronghold um, originated and how God helped me work through that stronghold. Gotcha, yeah. So what is the main thing that you would want your reader to understand after reading your book? That really, the interesting thing too, when I was researching this book, 
I really wanted to know, can strongholds be broken? I wanted to use that. I wanted them to be able to be broken. But, you know, does the Bible say that a stronghold can be broken? Because strongholds, you know, are two different things. There's a stronghold that is, the Old Testament talks about, that is the stronghold of the Lord, the stronghold of God in your life, and how we all want that. We want God to be our stronghold. We want to run to him in times of difficulty, in all times. We want him to be our stronghold. But this kind of stronghold that it talks about in 2 Corinthians 10 is really a stronghold of the enemy that we have allowed to come and take place. So in this passage, it says that the weapons that we fight with, which are not weapons of the world, have divine power to demolish strongholds. So I looked up that word in Greek, and I don't know how to say it. It starts with K-A-T-R-I-N something. And what it means is to utterly destroy, totally annihilate, smash into pieces, do away with. That's what that word means. It's more, and it's demolished, you know, is a good way to describe that. But it actually is breaking the stronghold. That we can break, that we can't do it, but we can allow God to break the stronghold if we want him to. But see, the deal is he won't come in and break the stronghold unless we allow him to and invite him to do that. Definitely. So after having worked with a lot of women who struggle with weight issues, do you think that there is a common struggle that prevents them from making long-term change? Yeah, I do. I think there are a lot of common struggles. And one of the big ones is that we need food to, especially for Christian women, we need food to mitigate our emotions, our extreme emotions, our stress, our worry, our fear, our overwhelm, all of these things. We don't want to be screaming maniacs. We don't want to, you know, scream and yell at everybody. And sometimes we just feel like we have to do that. But if we'll go and, you know, make a whole thing of a whole batch of cookies and eat them all, which I would do back in the day, then that would somehow numb our pain, which it does. It does numb our pain for a little while. The problem is then we need more to get that same feeling again and make all those issues go away again. So we're really not doing away with the issue. We're just burying it. And that really doesn't help us at all. It just adds additional stress to our bodies and, you know, to our physical bodies. It also adds the additional stress to our mindset and to our emotions because we're smart women, right? We know that we want to lose weight. We know how to lose weight. It's just like we can't do it for some reason because we're driven by the stronghold to try to mitigate our emotions. 
And I think that's a big one with a lot of Christian women, especially. Yeah, absolutely. So it's like an alternative to casting your cares on the Lord. You're using the 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 food as you know a way to numb it rather than giving it over. And so it's like there's a a spiritual component in that way. And from the physical standpoint, what I often see so. Um, a lot of times when I see people who have issues with eating for emotional reasons, you're either trying to self-medicate with serotonin or with dopamine or both because the sugar enables the precursors for those neurotransmitters to cross the, the blood-brain barrier and get there more effectively, which is exactly what you're saying. It gives you, it does work briefly, but then you've got all the extra problems on, on top of that. Plus, if you're not eating adequate protein, then you're depleting the precursor stores too. So it becomes exactly Exactly like you said, it becomes that catch-22, absolutely. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's kind of interesting to me. I've, I've kind of studied that a little bit and about how, um, let's see, her name is Kathleen S. Mason. She wrote a book called Potatoes, Not Prozac. Don't agree with everything in the book, but it's a book. And she's a former addictions counselor, and then she saw after people would get um, – get off of alcohol, they could go to food or sugar, and so she researched all of that and realized that that we have what's called metabolic, we're metabolically broken, we have unstable blood sugar, low beta endorphins, and low serotonin, so just like what you're talking about is, is basically, you know, what happens to us, and it's the reason that we feel like we can't give it up, you know, the, our body cries for it, wants it, so. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it becomes a catch-22. There's a chicken or egg based on the neurochemistry and then the way that you're thinking from the, the mental, emotional, spiritual standpoint, and it, it tends to just self-perpetuate until the Lord comes in and breaks that cycle, so. Uh, so yeah. For those that have tried various diets and haven't been successful, uh, I assume you kind of just touched on this. Do you think that this is the main reason for not having long-term success? Yeah, I don't agree with the diet mentality because I believe a diet is a short-term fix for a long-term problem. What we what we have to have is our lifestyle change plan from God. We have to know that this is what He wants us to do, um, and. You know, that's different from a diet because a diet for me was always something I was going to go on with, but not for the rest of my life. It was just going to be for a short time. But now I have this mindset towards the habits that I'm changing, which, you know, habit change has to play into this. And you have to know how to change your habits and how to get through that. Um, you've got this really bad habit, so how am I going to change that? And changing those habits are, we have to look long-term, like for the rest of our life. For So when we go on a diet, we're eating one way. We're eating everything, all the sugar, all the carbs, <laughs> everything we want, however much we want, we're eating them, right? And um, what, what we then do is we stop doing that, and we totally change. This doesn't work. This doesn't help us change it only we're not we're not gonna automatically change our whole lifestyle we have to do that one habit at a time and that's where a lot of people get hung up they don't they want to try to do everything because they really 
when they like come into a coaching group or something, they, they really want great success, you know, uh, immediately. But it only comes with surrender, and it only comes with being able to work on our habits and know how to work on those habits. That definitely makes sense. Willpower is a finite resource, so you can, you know, spend it all, and then suddenly you're much more susceptible to falling off the wagon later. So for you, now that you've achieved that and the Lord's helped you to break off these strongholds, what are the principles that you live by that have attributed to keeping your radical change? Like yeah. In terms of your diet and stuff. Well, first of all, I follow the, the plan that he gave me in 1977. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, as far as what I eat, but I had, it didn't, I didn't get there all of a sudden. I didn't like, like when I surrendered after that time in 2009, I didn't immediately go to giving up sugar, giving up bread, uh, giving, you know, eating all of these other things. I, I didn't immediately change all of that. I started slow. And, but uh, now that I've done all of that work, um, I don't eat processed sugar. I don't eat gluten just because that helps me not want the bread, right? I have to have a, God knew that I needed a simple plan. This is, this is a simple plan. It's not uh, like a lady I was talking with in my coaching group. She said, your plan sounds like freedom to me. And it, it really is because it's so simple. I don't have to you know, count all of these things, these points and these calories and all of that. Although I do kind of sometimes will keep track of calories if, if my weight goes up a few pounds. But but I don't eat the processed sugar. I don't eat the flour. I really focus on meat and protein. That's number one. Fruits are two for me and the vegetables are third because I really don't like them that much. I just eat them just because. But, um, and then when but along with that is, you know, I have to have time with God because he is my power source. And I, I think we we don't believe, as Christian women, we don't believe that God will help us on our healthy living journey because we feel like we've gotten ourselves into this mess, so we got to get ourselves out. At least that's what I always thought, that this is not God's problem, it's my problem. But 2 Corinthians 12, 9 through 10 clearly tells us that in our weakness, he is our strength. And so when we, you know, it says there in 12, 9, um, my grace is enough for you. It's, it's all you need. For my power comes into its own in your weakness. So God is strong all the time. And he can be strong for me all the time. But why is it? that my weakness allows his strength to come into its own in my life. It's because up until that point, I've been trying to do it on my own. And that never works. I need his strength. I need him to be the wind at my back. I need to know that he is behind me, that he has a reason for why I'm doing this. And part of that reason is, so that I can fulfill the destiny that he has for me, whatever that is. And to tell you the truth, Lauren, I never felt like in a million years that my destiny would be leading other women in how 
saw that. I'm a writer by trade. I'm a journalist. But, you know, writing books was one thing that I knew that I would eventually be doing, but I never knew it first. It would be about me or about my story. That never dawned on me. And then, you know, everything I'm doing is centered around this whole message that he's given me to share with people. Yeah, that's great. So it's like the Roman date 28 concept of God taking everything that happens to us, even the bad things, and turning them around for good because he's a master chess player. So he can take what is for evil and he can turn around and not only set you free, but use you to set other people free because you're passionate about that concept and that story. That's great. So is there anything I have not asked you that you want to make sure that you leave with our audience? I just really want to say that God really cares about each one of us, no matter what our issue, no matter if we think that we have failed and we feel ashamed to even go into a group and talk about um, what's happening. We need each other. I mean, I started my online coaching group because one of the things that helped me was my mentor, the one that I talked about that, um, that I went to that meeting um, and it said that line that alcohol is one molecule away from sugar, it's liquid sugar. That man started a, uh, a small group for those, those of us with food issues. And I went to that every week. I paid money to go to that, which is another thing that was uh, hard for me to understand. When I started my particular coaching group, do I, do I charge for it? Do I not charge for it? And God said, if, you, if people have no investment, they will have no commitment. So and so, so I, I started out that way. And, you know, we need each other. That's the point. And that's why online coaching groups are so, I think, so important for people that they just feel, at least for me, I mean, I would love walking to church and I would look around to see, am I the biggest person here? And if I felt like I was the largest person here, there, I would sit on the back row and leave really quickly. And I didn't even want, you know, the fellowship of people in the church because I didn't feel like they knew my problems or would care about my problems. And so it's true that we need to find other like-minded people who have the same issues that we do so that we can share with each other and we can learn from each other and we can encourage each other and keep each other accountable. I think that's really a huge part on um, anyone's journey. Mm -hmm. Definitely makes sense. So where can people go to find out more information about you? Yeah, well, my website is TeresaShieldsParker.com, um, and I have uh, my Facebook page, business page is Teresa Shields Parker. My um, Instagram is Tree, T-R-E-E -E, Parker, and so is my Pinterest, just because the other is way too long. <laughs> and then I I have a YouTube channel that's Teresa Shields, Shields Parker One, and so you can find me in any of those places. And then I have a podcast, Sweet Grace for Your Journey, 
um, that's on that's everywhere. So you can find that too. And of course, on Amazon too. My books are on Amazon. Perfect. Yes, and we will link in the show notes to your website and to your book for sure. And thank you so much, Teresa, for your time and your wisdom and your experience. Really appreciate it. Hey, one more thing I want to say. I do have a free offer for those who want to uh, go to my website. There's a free ebook under the free tab that's called What is a Stronghold? And it gives you the basics of what a stronghold is. It's just the chapters I left out of Sweet Surrender. So, Okay, so I will link to that in the show notes as well. All right. Okay. Thanks, Teresa. Thank you. I want to take a moment to thank the sponsor of Christian Natural Health, Let's Get Checked. Let's Get Checked offers at-home finger prick testing for thyroid testing, including TSH, free T3, and free T4. These are the tests that I routinely run for thyroid screening, as well as to make sure current thyroid treatment is correct. If you're not sure if thyroid is a problem, you might consider running these if you're struggling with fatigue, particularly if you have a hard time getting out of bed despite a good night's sleep. Constipation, dry skin, or hair loss is some of the most common symptoms of hypothyroidism. You can order tests for all three, no doctor's order required at trylgc.com slash cnh thyroid. You'll get a package containing lancets for your finger and a test tube for collection of a small amount of blood and a prepaid label to ship it back. Once you receive the results, if you have any questions, you can speak to a nurse practitioner on their team. Again, that link is trylgc.com slash cnh thyroid and enter coupon code cnh20 for 20% off your order. All right, back to the show. Thanks for listening to Christian Natural Health. This show is run by you, so please write in with topic and guest suggestions for future shows. For more great content, subscribe to Dr. Lauren's blog at www.drlaurendeville.com or follow her on Facebook or Twitter at Dr. Lauren Deville. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to share it with your friends and give us a five-star rating in iTunes. It really helps us to stand out so other people can discover great content as well. Have a great week and God bless you. Have you ever considered yourself a messenger? Whether it's mics like this, bookshelves around the world, stages to take or art to make or perhaps businesses to build, it's time we start testifying truth unashamedly, creatively, and in love. My name is Tamara Andress, the host of the Messenger Movement Podcast, which is designed to catalyze Christians to speak, write, build, and testify. If you're ready to turn your message into a movement and want to run with other messengers doing the thing at scale globally, search and follow the Messenger Movement Podcast on your favorite podcast platform today or lifeaudio.com.